I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Today, we have Andrew Longcore on the podcast. We're going to be talking about earning equity, potential managerial bonuses for you as practice owners, and how you can potentially use some of these equity components for practice and business expansion. I'm Dave Kittle, owner of Concierge Pain Relief Home Physical Therapy in New York City and the CEO of the Fieldmaker Group. We're speaking with practice owners about partnering or acquiring some or all their practice. Andrew, good morning. What's going on? Hey, how are you doing, Dave? I'm feeling great. Great to have you on the show. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself. You have a law degree and you're doing a couple of different things where you're helping current practice owners, business owners, grow and expand as well as uh, potentially exit if they are at that stage. So just give a little bit of a background of yourself and the the practices and the companies you're working with, and then we'll kind of get into the topic today. Yeah, I am the managing partner of the Business Law Group. We are a boutique uh, business transaction firm. We handle mergers and acquisitions, real estate development, financial transactions, capital raise, all those those fun things that businesses that are looking to expand and grow deal with. And then I also have a consulting firm just because of the number of transactions I gave legal representation on. I started getting lots of questions on non-legal aspects of transactions. And so from there, I spun out a consulting practice where we focus on buy-side representation and advisory services. So really everything from corporate strategy development through the implementation of sourcing uh, and implementing that strategy, whether that is going out and acquiring some type of bolt-on or expansion or doing a merger. Sometimes there is a lot of exit planning involved in that. So I've got some exit planning arrows in my quiver. So uh, lots of fun things. Really uh, a deal junkie at heart. Love the transaction, love the strategy, um, love all this stuff. Awesome. And you are based in Grand Rapids, Michigan, correct? Yes, sir. Yep. Midwest boy, born and raised. Awesome. Let's get into today's topic. We had a whole array of different things that we could potentially go into. You mentioned something in the pre-interview about earning equity. I'm curious a little bit about, you know, first of all, like your definition of that, because I I have heard other things in regards to like consulting for equity. And I know there's a lot of things that you mentioned previously where like something as simple as like the agreements and the documentation around all of these aspects and expectations. And I think this will help practice owners because if they have a right-hand person, maybe a clinic director, a practice manager, it could be the it could be a treating therapist or a healthcare provider to potentially go down this route with you in regards to earning equity. Or it could be, you also mentioned in the pre-interview, it could be the front desk person who's kind of like spinning a bunch of plates and, and operating a lot of the admin or non-clinical side of their practice as well as someone like you or I. So uh, some of these practice owners, if they wanted it, if they needed it, I mean, people reach out to me all the time for you know help and consulting and all that. And if they, you're saying in a pre-interview, if practice owners and business owners don't have the ability to pay for that, mm-hmm. to pay for consulting, one value exchange of that could be some earned equity of the practice 
or some component of, of both, of equity and cash. We'll get into all of that. So, Andrew, why don't we just start with maybe defining earn in equity? Right. So, yeah, like you've, as your question uh, alluded to, it's a very broad, broad topic and lots of ways to come at it. Really, I guess for a, a simplified definition, it is somebody who is providing services in exchange for some level of ownership in the business or the practice. And there can be different formulas for how that is, is calculated. Really, it comes down to negotiations and, and really trying to make sure that both parties are getting what they hope to out of that transaction. Got it. And as I mentioned, consulting for equity, is that from as far as you understand, I know I don't really have a definition for it. I just, I've seen it on the internet, I've seen it on YouTube, I've seen other people offering this. Is consulting for equity the same thing as earning equity, or would you define those as maybe two adjacent options? It's, I guess, two peas in the same pod. But, you know, consulting for equity is going to be more in line with, you know, and again, throw out your number, right? I charge $25,000 a month. This is what you get. Business owner says, well, I can't afford $25,000 a month, but I need you. You know, what can we do? And so then it comes down to, okay, well, why don't you pay me $5,000 a month? And then we'll put $20,000 of that towards equity. So over this one year period, I've accumulated, you know, this, whatever the dollar amount ends up being. And then, so that equates to 10%, 20% of the company. I really think that we should make sure that we preface this with, you know, for both sides of, of this, that from a business owner side or a practice owner side, that you need to be cautious with with giving away equity because it's very expensive money to give away. I'm not saying that the value that somebody can't add can't really counteract that, but you do need to understand that you're giving away, you know, higher dollar amounts than you would be if you were paying them cash. And then it goes for both the consultant or employee or whoever this is and the business owner too. Do you need to realize that when you give somebody equity, that means that you have a new partner. And we've all heard horror stories of partnerships. We've also heard all the glorious stories of partnerships that have gone great. But making sure that you go through that vetting process of everybody being on the same page with expectations, not only of what are you going to be actually doing as part of this and being a partner, all the way to, you know, do we have the same vision for where we're going? Often when I talk to people about partnerships, it's that, you know, reference back to it's like a marriage. And so we want to make sure we date and we get to know each other. But the same thing with when you're choosing a, a partner to go through life with, you want to make sure that you're going on the same, you know, if he wants kids and you don't want kids, probably going to run into a big issue down the line. And it's the same thing, you know, with a partner. If, you know, if you get a partner who's like, well, I'm looking to exit in five years and there's another partner who goes, no, I want to have this till I'm, you know, old and 90 years old and that's 50 years down the line. Okay, well, there's going to be a disconnect at some point in time. And so it's important that when you're giving away equity and you're, or you're partnering with somebody that you'd go through these considerations. And that goes, like I said, it goes for both sides because as a, as a consultant, again, you may be getting the equity, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting that paid or if, and so if you need to live off of that, you know, you may need to, to take that into account as well. Right. And if a practice owner is watching or listening, if they have a long-term clinic director, someone who is a, a rock star clinician, they get great results and great outcomes, patients love them. But let's say the, the therapist or the healthcare provider has been working at the practice for five or 10 years or maybe longer. And sometimes, like for me, I left, you know, I started my own 
different businesses. And some therapists will want to go leave and, and start their own practice, make their own way, start, you know, open up their own shingle, whatever it might be. I think this is a way, this is one way that I think some of these practice owners could maybe retain those individuals because in some cases they might not be asking for more money if they're a hundred percent salary or maybe their salary plus some performance pay, some performance bonuses, whatever it might be. But if they really, really want to go and do their own thing, I think this, uh, and, and I don't, I don't know if this counts as, um, it's not legal advice and it's, it's maybe just more of a, you know, a consultative suggestion. But some practice owners, before that therapist were to go leave and start their own practice, this might be the last ditch effort to potentially retain them. And as a way for earning equity to have that therapist or that clinic director or that manager not leave and actually now become a partner. This is assuming that the practice owner, like you said, has known this individual for five or 10 years or however long they, they know, like, and trust them. They've seen them in different interactions. They've seen them, you know, outside the clinic, work parties, work events, whatever it might be. So they know this person very, very well. So you got past that hurdle. Now this therapist or manager or clinic director wants to go and start their own cash-based practice, or they want to go start their own, their own company or whatever it might be. This could be the last ditch effort to retain that individual and actually kind of bring them in. So a practice owner thinking of that or, or considering that what are the pros and cons of earning equity versus here's how much my practice is worth. I would love for you to have ownership in this practice, but here's how much it's worth. And let's say if you want, I don't know, five or 10% or 20% of the practice of equity, here's how much it would cost. And you would have to have that individual cut a check if they had the money, assuming that they have the money or they could get the money from their family or from their investments or whatever cut a check and actually pony up money to become an equity partner. What are the pros and cons of those two avenues? Yeah. So I think you've touched on a, a couple of things. One of the things that, you know, again, to, to kind of preface this too, is that a lot of people who, you know, again, there's lots of reasons why somebody would break off and go out, out on their own. A lot of them re revert back to the idea, this idea of freedom of, I can choose what I do. I can choose where I can do. A lot of us, you know, who'd go do that, then quickly realize that, oh, it's not as freeing as we thought it was. We have to now also do all these jobs that we don't like to do. Right. And so I think that just from an ethical standpoint, when you have somebody who does want to break away like that, to have that conversation with them and, and say, like, you know, why are you leaving? I would bet that a lot of it has to do with the, well, I feel like I'm growing your business and I'm adding lots of value to your business and I'm not getting a lot of that. And so to be able to come up with some type of plan to whether that is, you know, truly hard equity. And again, one of the great things about businesses is we can be really flexible with the agreements that we have, whether that is, you know, again, we can have different levels of equity. We can have, you know, A shares and B shares that are treated differently. Some have voting, non-voting, but our profit sharing, there's lots of ways that we can go about giving somebody equity, but to allow them to feel like they're actually contributing to that bigger picture, that bigger thing that we're building, right? It is a great tool to use though for employee retention because they do, you know, again, they're invested into the business, they're invested into the mission and, and where we're going, this vision of what we're building. And so that can, you know, provide even more motivation. And obviously, you know, there's, there's financial benefit to them. 
you're 100% right too in that there needs to be uh there needs to be a plan for that because if and again to use very simple math because it's not one of the strong suits that I can do off the top of my head if you've got a million dollar practice and I give you 10% well that's like giving you $100,000 and the IRS is going to say well that's $100,000 of income that you need to now pay taxes on well if you're sitting there saying well I don't have whatever $25,000, $30,000 to cut a check to the IRS. Well, now I've, you know, again, by giving ownership and giving equity. And so sometimes we have to get creative with with how we do that. But I 100% agree with you that whether it is even with, with family succession planning, the, the paying of money, that transaction, whether that is them cutting a check or foregoing a bonus or, you know, lowering their, you know, salary or whatever it is, to be able to have that buy-in because that's truly, again, you as the business owner have sacrificed to be able to have your hundred percent. If somebody's going to come in and have 10%, they really need to have that skin in the game as well, or else it can just feel like it's a gift. And then you're playing with house money and you don't, maybe not, you're not as good of a fiduciary as you should be. Right. And then another thing I want to get some clarification on is the, the component of the, around vesting, if and maybe there is vesting or there doesn't have to be vesting, but let's just give an example for the audience. If someone doesn't know what vesting is, Andrew, let's say I'm going to offer you 20% of my practice, my company, and I say it's going to be a four-year vesting schedule. So it's basically you would earn 25% of the overall 20%. You're going to get a fourth each year for the next four years. So let's say between today, if we did that deal, and 365 days from now, you would then earn the first fourth. So you would earn 5% of that 20%. And then let's say we had a fallout then and a disagreement or something where we then terminate that agreement. You keep that 5% forever, but then the vesting schedule is now stopped or we, we've dissolved the, the agreement or whatever. So is the earn in equity, I'm assuming like there's always a vesting schedule for that because people change or... or or situations change, someone might move or something. So like if you moved away or you went to another country or whatever, you keep that 5% forever, but you never earn that 10 or 15 or 20% of my practice. So I, I lose a little bit, but I don't have to give up the next 15%. I don't have to give up the full 20%, but I did give up the first 5% because in that first year, you helped me, you did XYZ that we said we were going to collaborate on and all that. Is there always this vesting schedule when we're talking about earning equity? So yeah, I mean, there are transactions where there is there's no real vesting involved. You know, it's just that's where that's the straight. Dave, here's your twenty percent. You know, we put together the documentations to transfer that twenty percent to you. The idea of vesting is there some type of triggering event, and again, this is where we talk about the the you know what are both sides hoping to accomplish out of it. So if this is a situation where I say, well, I want to make sure that you you know office manager are here for the next five years, you know, because that's my exit plan, right? That, okay, well then we're going to set it up as a time period where as long as you're employed or employed on the, you know, one year anniversary or whatever we've negotiated one year, two year, three year, we can have that over time. So as long as you're, that's our triggering event, but there's also other triggering events that we can have, whether it's based on revenue or profitability or new clients that have come in to where once we hit that new level, well, now you get your 5%. And once we get to that next level, then, okay, now, so, you know, if you're opening up, you know, again, if you have somebody who's doing some type of a roll-up strategy of, of physical therapy firms, 
and you've got somebody who's kind of whatever the COO of those. Well, once we get to five, you're going to get 5%. Once we get to 10 locations, then you'll get your 10%. So there's different ways that we can have that kind of hurdle for how they earn. And again, it's, there's lots of ways to do it. One other thing that I think should be mentioned is you talked about the uh, once it's earned, yes, once they have the 5%, they're 5%. Like I said, that's where we talk about that partnership and, and like being a marriage. The other half of it is to make sure that we do have documents in place that cover those buy-sell provisions. So if you do leave, what are my options to buy out that equity? So, you know, again, I may have the option where you can own your 5% and you can go, you know, move all over and you're going to be just like a 5% owner. But I'd really like to give that 5% to somebody who is going to stick around. So maybe I'd like to be able to buy it back. And so having because, because, of, they, because they already earned it, they earned that 5%. Right. So they, you they, would have to buy it. it back. Yeah. Yeah. They earned it just like any other benefit. And so how do we buy it back? How is it valued? What does the payment schedule look like? And a lot of that stuff is easier to agree upon. Uh, right when we're, you know, here's your 5%. Up, let's agree on terms. Yeah. Because negotiating it on the back end is like, well, now somebody's got a lot more leverage and they're going, if you want to yeah. buy me out, it's going to cost you. Let's go. Yep. And so that can be a very difficult conversation. Uh, and again, to, to use the marriage analogy, that's going to be a bad divorce. Nobody's going to mm. be happy with, with how it comes out. So a lot of those provisions could kind of be documented in an agreement up front based off of either a timeline, some of those triggered events, either a timeline or it could be an escalation of revenue or different performance targets or things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, like I said, it has a lot to do with, with, again, why are we giving equity? What is the motivation? What motivates the person we're giving equity to that they can feel like they have control over? And the same thing of is you as the owner, what are you trying to accomplish by having this person? So even through a transition, again, you know, because obviously I do a lot of buy side representation and a lot of the time there are key employees that we want to see stay on. And so we will actually, you know, sometimes give equity to those key employees post closing because we say, you know, we want you to be part of our buyer group because that way you're invested and you're actually going to, we know you're going to stick around post closing. You're not just going to, you know, again, leave us in a lurch after six months and we're going, man, we really wish we had that office manager back in there who she knew how to run everything and make everybody happy and let the, you know, let the doctors do what the doctors are supposed to do. Would those, uh, and again, it depends on the buyer, but could that be, I mean, it's typically just gifted. So you, so let's say you were representing us, we're buying, we're looking to partner or buy and you or, or my team, we say, you know, this person is really vital. And so maybe we offer them, I don't know, 2%, 5%, probably not more than 10%, but maybe it depends on the situation. What have you seen in terms of the differences between just, you know, gifting it versus again, if you offer as part of the transaction, it's probably easier if you're gifting it and it's just like, it's kind of rolled in the financing and it's really like, it's de-risking the situation for us, for the buyers. So it's kind of like, if we gift it, it probably makes the most sense because yes, we're gifting it, but in exchange, we get maybe a little bit more of their loyalty. They stay longer. They're a little bit more invested. They're not going to leave right away. If they leave, it might alter the success of this transaction significantly more compared to the small amount that we're actually gifting to them, right? Is that is that a good way to look at it? Yeah, no, it's, and again, it's it's all negotiable and it's it's variable. You know, obviously if they want to come in alongside and be a buyer and they're going to put up capital, you know, it may be a more the merrier, right? So yeah, you put up, again, we're buying it for a million dollars. You put up a hundred thousand dollars of your money, then we'll give you that 10%. 
or it can be something as, like you said, as part of their compensation package for that post-closing. And it is that we'll give you a small percentage of the new entity that we're forming. There's lots of ways to go about it. There's multiple ways to skin that cat. And again, it, it comes down to, again, what's everybody's motivation? Because really, the again, one of the great things about transactions is how often we can create come up with win-win scenarios for how we structure things to make sure that everybody's getting what they really truly want out of that transaction. If we came across the physical therapy practice that we really love and we wanted to put an offer in, is it, and I don't, I know this is not legal advice. They're going to have to contact you or have their own attorneys look at this, but let's say we're looking at a practice. It had four physical therapists and we liked the online reviews. We liked uh, the reputation that it has in the community. And we say, we really want to offer as a gift, we want to offer some percentage points to the one physical therapist who is either the rock star that maybe brings in a lot of patients for whatever reason, maybe they have a social media following, I don't know, YouTube channel, whatever it might be, or that they're the clinic director and they do the administrative functions, plus they are great with patients and all that. Could we potentially say, we'll gift a few percentage points to this clinic director and then the other three, could we then approach them and say, if you three are, or, you know, individually, but of these three staff physical therapists, if you guys are interested to own a few percentage points, maybe, I don't know, two to 5% each or something like that, here's how much it would be. And ask them, ask those three to cut a check if they wanted to of their own volition after they speak to their accountant and their attorney and, and all that, would that be something that's even legal or feasible. And again, I, I know this is not legal advice and check with your own attorney, but could you offer a gift of equity to one individual, but then of the same valuation or whatever, say, well, we're not going to, we, we just choose not to, we elect not to offer equity to all three or four. So of these other three, if you are interested, here's how much it would be. But for this, this in the clinic director, we want to gift it to them. Is that even possible? Well, uh, to quote my father, life's not fair. <laughs> right. And, and that's that's true. You know, there's no, as far as I'm aware, <laughs> there, there is no rule that says that if you offer well, one person some type of a deal that you have to offer people in the equivalent position the exact same deal. So, you know, that's, again, there's lots of examples of it. But um, I think the story, of, I remember driving to take the SAT and I was following a car through town to go to that location. And I got the joy of seeing the blue and red lights flashing in my rearview mirror. The cop pulled me over and he said, do you know how fast you were going? I said, nope, I was following that car in front of me. And he said, well, he's lucky I couldn't pull over both of you because. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's unfair. And he went, well, but you were all, again, I got treated differently than the guy ahead of me. I don't know. I mean, was it fair? No. But at the end of the day, I was speeding. And so it's just one of those situations that we don't have to treat everybody. You know, some people get away, some people don't. Some people get that offer, some people don't. So you can offer them differently. The one thing that I will say that's completely non-legal is you do need to be prepared that they're going to talk with each other. And so you may have somebody who has some type of, you know, hurt feelings because, well, why didn't I get that? You know, I like that offer better than what he's offering me. So I'm going to say no. But again, that's, again, part of things that you have to consider on the buy side and, and how you negotiate things. 
but like you said, if if it's looking at it going, well, we've got one rock star that we want that we really need to have post-closing to make sure that we get the value that we're expecting out of this, we would be open to having the other ones, but we wouldn't, it's not the, it's not the same, it's not the equivalent. And it can come down to hurt feelings, but again, in your scenario, again, me being the outsider looking at it going, well, you know, he brings different value to the table than the other three in this. So again, if he's bringing different value, I'm going to offer him a different deal than I would the other three. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to have, like I said, hard feelings about it and, you know, tell Dave that he's a jerk and I'd never be in business with you. <laughs> right. So cir- circling back to the earn inequity, let's say again, you have the this physical therapy practice clinic director and the clinic director is a rock star, but they're like, they approach the owner, the practice owner, and they're like, I'm thinking, like, I want to give you a heads up. I'm thinking of, you know, going out and starting my own practice. Practice owner scrambling because they know how vital they are to the business. They approach you or the practice owner goes to you or uh, some other advisor or attorney or an accountant. What are some of the options? I mean, do you all, you all would do your own business valuation? Because what if the clinic director is like, well, like, how do we figure out What's the value of this equity, right? Hopefully, they're savvy enough to even consider that. So let's say that they are. Usually for these interactions, maybe it depends on the size of the practice and the scale of the practice. Do you all do a business valuation internally? Do you, do you use a third-party service to do a business valuation? Because if I were the clinic director, I would be, you know, I would be probably flattered and, and I would welcome this type of a, an equity earn-in. But at the same time, it's like, well, hold on, let's make sure that it adds up and it's not like, like you said, like A and B shares. And you could really do some nefarious things where the person thinks they're getting something and it's really not that much, right? So internal business valuation, independent valuation, what are what are some options here? Yeah. Well, I guess uh, before I dive, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm clear that yes, there are ways to be nefarious about giving things away. I would never, ever recommend that from an ethical standpoint. I would never participate in it. <laughs> you know, the, the whole reason for doing different shares is, again, is if somebody's just looking for it, the, you know, I don't want to vote. I don't want to make sure that I'm in control of those types of things, but I want to, you know, a preferred distribution. Then again, let's do some different classes. Uh, as far as valuations go, turns out that not all valuations are equal. <laughs> right. Now, from a standpoint of this whole concept of of earning equity or consulting for equity, you are going to need some level of, of evaluation because the IRS is going to have questions about it. And so you're going to need some type of CPA or evaluator who is going to be able to put something together that will, again, if the IRS comes knocking at the door and says, how'd you come up with this? that you're going to have somebody who can defend, this is how we came up with it. Now, at least in my experience, those types of valuations don't align with what the fair market value is just because the market treats... Oh, you don't, you don't say. <laughs> right. Well, they don't, because I mean, one of the big things that, and I'm sure you're really well aware of this, one of the things that we look at when we're going to buy a business is we look at systems and people and processes and we look at you know do they have good marketing and then once the people raise their hand are they good at converting them into being patients you know these types of things where an accountant who's going through these things they're not going well you know turns out that dave has created a business where everything is there to support him and the money he makes 
And it's not really a business that somebody's going to look at and be like, yes, I will pay you that multiple on that. You know, again, somebody else might look at it and go, Dave, I'm not going to pay you a million dollars to retire and leave, you know, me high and dry because you're the key. And so I will pay you for your customer list, which I value at basically $200,000. And then maybe I can put somebody in there and take this risk. So I'll give you some earnout that potentially would get you up to this, but there's no way, you know, and so again, not all valuations are equal, but for the purposes of what we're talking about here, highly recommend having, again, somebody who has those credentials that would be able to, again, stand behind, you know, that number they put up. And I've done a few of these, some of them more recently. And yeah, like I said, you just got to make sure that you have that that accountant that's also part of that that deal team and putting that together just because it, it is, there's always that potential that somebody's going to ask. And if you just put your finger in the air and feel the wind and say, yeah, it feels about a million, turns out that the IRS might not agree with you. And then all of a sudden we've got all kinds of tax issues and we don't, that's not something we want to get into. Don't poke the bear. <laughs> right. Andrew, this was awesome. I definitely want to have you back in the future. What's a good place for the audience to reach out to you and connect further? It could be your email address, website, LinkedIn. What's a good spot or, or several spots? Yeah, no, I post a lot of content and I'm very active on LinkedIn. It's just search for my, my name, Andrew Longcore. I think that's actually my handle is and, you know, slash Andrew Longcore. But that's obviously you can message me through there. But if you want to email me directly, it's uh, Andrew at CecilSterling.com. And I will, uh, I'll be the one to get that. Happy to have conversations, whether it's about this or whether it is about growing your business and, and ways that we can do that through value expansion. Like I said, I'm a deal junkie. So even just uh, having some fun conversations about and swapping some war stories is, is, is fun. And you can help any practice owner, any business owner in any state, not just in Michigan? Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, we've talked to lots of people all over the country and helping them. So um, again, happy to have conversations if there are, you know, again, obviously there's certain limitations with practicing law in other states, but we've got a very good network that, you know, we're able to fill in those holes and, Again, having somebody even too on your side that understands the process that can uh, find the right attorney that can actually just you know put the documents together and, and that type of stuff. The quarterback of the transaction, as I've been told, is, is very valuable. Right. Awesome. Well said, Andrew. Thanks for your time. If you guys all find this helpful and valuable, subscribe to The Dave Kittle Show on YouTube. You can also check us out on iTunes and Spotify. We'll catch you next time. Andrew, thanks a lot for your time. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.